Thanks for listening. Today, Chris and I talk about the metacurrency systems in 2.20, that of momentum, threat, and determination. These are the systems that, in a lot of ways, really make 2.20 so special. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Yeah, so I'm Jeremy, and let's see, what have I done RPG-related in the last week? I played in a 5th edition game last week, so that was that was fun, and um, I've continued finishing the details of my giant gaming table in my garage that's now getting cool. too hot to play in, so it's kind of <laughs> bad timing, but that, that's been my last week of, uh, of gaming activities. How about you? Uh, so, hi, I'm Chris, for everybody else listening, didn't I? Uh, so... I've met a friend of mine. We're doing this sort of Pathfinder game where we're basically it's us against just bad guys. So it's just straight up combat. We both pick fighters, um, and we basically just try and hit a thousand XP every level to level up. Just randomly, random dungeon, random, random what's in there, random monsters. We have a random table for what the monsters do. So we've, we've done that. We've, we did another session of that this week. Uh, I wrote a new installment of my blog, which is that seventies game. It'll just drop that in there. Uh, where I looked at sort of which different genres 2D20 covers and which ones it doesn't. And I think I'll carry that on next week. And then I should be playing Fallout tomorrow with my two players, but one of them is really flaky. And so we'll see. So ne- this time next week, I may have done that. Well, hopefully they, that, that, that person won't hear you call them flaky unless you... I call them much worse. Okay, Pretty, all right, then that's oh, fine. So that's, that was that's you gave tame. us the PG version, the, the oh, G-rated yeah. comment in this for the general audience. That was that was good of you. Yeah, we did once consider recording our sessions, and then we kind of realized that it would be yeah, it'd be like very not suitable for work and no we be able to play it to our families or kids or anyone. So it's like, you just don't want. There are some things you just don't want recorded forever. So we're going to talk about the meta currencies, and I love that you. I mean, I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard these things uh, termed in that way until you mentioned it. Uh, maybe I had, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to associate the term with you. The meta currencies of the two die twenty system, which I think, as we talked about last time, we talked about the core mechanic. They're they are so important to what makes this these system or this system in these games uh, what they are and makes them really different from a lot of other games. But I also think they're, they're one of the points that people get confused over. And there is one often heard complaint uh, that I'll bring up later when we get to talking about threat and doom. I've heard a lot. And so I hopefully we can go about uh, dispelling some of that. So we're going to talk about momentum. Uh, we're going to talk about threat. And we're going to talk about fortune. We talked about in the core mechanic. If you haven't listened to the core mechanic episode, you should go back and do that because we talked about how I'm going to start off speaking about momentum, uh, how this is generated. And momentum is generated through surplus success. And you think that is that a decent way to describe it or how have you described it to people in terms of how you earn it? Yeah, if you get more successes than the difficulty you're aiming for, 
every extra success is a is a point of momentum. So yeah, yeah it's really simple. Awesome. So when you when you roll for a task, there is a set difficulty number, and if you roll more successes than are are required to make that difficulty, say it's a difficulty two, and you roll three successes, you just generated one momentum. And so I've often referred to it as as a way to quantify surplus success on a on a roll. And um, momentum is it, it for players, and I'm going to be talking about the player side of this is almost always generated from. Uh, task roles. Yeah. It's almost always generated in that manner, or in some cases uh, from character specific talents. And I'm not going to go into detail about that, but like if you've played any any recent version of D&D, you had feats. All the two die 20 systems, or most of them rather, have something uh, that I is... Think, I think all uh, of them. I think all of them. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't say, I don't remember um, Dune or Fallout, and I'm not familiar with Dishonored or very much with John Carter, but I think they all have something like that. Yeah. Something that, that is like a feat from, um, from the D 20 versions of, of D and D that are their character specific. And in certain circumstances, you can generate extra momentum from those, but understand that's where it comes from. Momentum can be spent either before or after a task role. Uh, if there is momentum in the party pool, which is when anyone has momentum they generate that they don't use all of, the party can bank up to six points in a pool that's accessible by anyone. I use a big, like, four-inch-on-a-side foam die that I put in the middle of the table, and so it, you turn it around, everyone knows how much momentum there is. You can use momentum from that party pool before a roll to enhance the possibility or enhance the chances of success, you can use it after the roll, either the momentum that you generate or additional momentum from that party pool to affect the outcome of the roll. And this is the thing that I like about, I like many things about momentum, but one of the things that I like most about it is it's, it's the variable uses, is yeah. that it's not just something that affects the outcome of the die roll. You can actually affect whether or not you're going to be successful. Inspiration in D&D does that by giving you that extra die 20 to roll. But this can, on the back end, if you're successful, it's not only, this is more the variability, it's not just, well, I do more damage. Yeah. It enables you to do all kinds of things. All of the games offer a menu of choices. Yeah, so, I mean, like you just said, doing more damage. I think think of systems like both, say World of Darkness, Genesis popped to mind, that both of them, you can because you're rolling multiple dice, you can get more successes in those systems than the difficulty. And pretty much in those, it's if you get more success in Genesis, it's just if it's combat, you, you do more damage. And, and that's kind of it. And then, okay, in Genesis, if it's not combat, there might be more things. And World of Darkness is kind of a similar thing. I mean, I haven't played it for a while, and there's a different version now. But again, it's a similar, if you get more successes than the difficulty then, and it tends to be a relatively fixed thing, or you know, the damage is better, the effect is better. And like you said, one of the good things about momentum is like, right, well, you generate momentum and you decide. You you decide what you want to, to do this menu. Like you, like you said, you can save it, put it into your group pool, help him out, uh, help out the, you know, the rest of your group, or there are different spends. And it's not all just about, you know, there's non-combat and there are combat spends for it. So um, it's that choice. You have that choice of what you can do with it, which is cool. 
Yeah, I was thinking about you know the, the difference between say other systems that uh, that have a, a somewhat similar system, and World of Darkness did come to mind. And thinking like Vampire the Masquerade, okay, well if it's combat, it's just going to do more damage. If it's use of a discipline, it's going to just enhance the effect of that discipline. But it's 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 very linear. It yeah. just turns up the volume on that effect. Whereas this you can use momentum to add damage. You can do something like, let's say you generate four momentum. And in Conan, I do believe disarming an opponent costs two if it's a one-handed weapon that they're wielding, or three if it's a two-handed weapon. So if you have four momentum, you could say, well, I'm going to disarm him because he has a he's wielding a sword one-handed, and I'm going to take the other two points and dump them into damage, or I'm going to knock him over, push him back. So there are lots of different things you can do. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's, I was going to say like uh, like Infinity has good ones for things like hitting hitting a second target that's nearby, or actually having a whole second combat action. And and then they're all like they're all you know they're all, all slight different tweaks on how the momentum works. But you know, there's a lot of extra stuff you you can do with that momentum. And again, like you said, some talents let you both generate and spend your momentum in different ways. That if you've got a particular talent, right now there's here's an extra momentum spend for you. Um, which is just something, you know, it's, it's something extra. Um, you can just play it very simple and just every time you get extra momentum to spend it on extra, extra damage or save it for extra rolls. And, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about all these extra things, but the choice is there. And I don't see many games where you have that sort of element of, of the choice in how you do something after you've done the role or, you know, mm. it, this is both mechanical and it can be, you know, narrative as well. Well, it's interesting, too, that, that one of the things you can do, for example, with it is not just do more damage in combat, but but change the nature of the damage. Uh, all the two die 20 games have different weapon qualities and weapon effects. So, for example, like, uh, you know, piercing, yeah. if damage is piercing, it will it'll get around armor or it has the possibility of getting around armor and therefore delivering more damage. You can under certain circumstances, use momentum to make your damage piercing. And I think in a narrative way, you know, if this was a, if this was Conan, you'd say, well, I, like I, you know, I stuck him between the, 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 his breastplate and yeah. his, uh, his shoulder or something like that, where the armor was weak. And so you can, you can take a narrative idea. Like if you have a vision of how this plays out, I often do this at the table where if, uh, if I'm running the game and someone, you know, especially in a, a fantasy type game, if they kill an opponent, I'll say, okay, how'd you kill him? What did it look like? How did this play out? And so you can take that narrative description and use the mechanics of momentum to actually express it in numbers, which I, I think is pretty cool. I think you also say outside of combat, there's a lot of other spans of momentum. So often what you'll have, the, the one I've seen a lot in a lot of pre-written adventures um, is for sort of gaining information. You know, you just get the straight success. So no momentum, then you get this information. But if you can spend one momentum or two momentum, three, you'll gain extra pieces of information, um, which does mean actually if your role's only so-so, well, you can go back to the group pool to get the extra momentum to, to do it. You don't have to have an amazing role. There's other ways to do it. So it could have been. And then that kind of works like, well, one guy went and sort of did one thing and then the second person in the team goes and does something else. And they use the fact the first person's role was really good to make, to get that extra piece of information. So, and then there's other things throughout and, you know, a lot of, most of the different games are different subsystems, but a lot of them have different ways of spending the momentum for particular, you know, particular extra things beyond just, beyond just combat. In a way that's somewhat similar to, I don't know, have you ever played Gumshoe? 
Uh, I mean, no, I've, I've read it. Okay. I just couldn't work it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I've, I've played it and I've run it and I, there are things that I don't like about it for long-term play, but the investigative abilities, you know, you never have to spend them, hmm. but if you want to spend them, you are supposed to get a whole bunch of extra information. Your, your, your GM kind of, you know, waves that in front of you and says, oh, if you want to spend a point, I'll give you all the good stuff. In a way, obtain information checks and momentum use can work that way. Mm -hmm. And I've done that like in Star Trek Adventures where I already have in mind what is going to happen by succeeding on an obtain information role. And then I'll have some ideas about other information I would dole out if the player says, well, you know, I want to spend a, 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 a point. Let me ask an additional question. I'll spend two points. I'll ask two additional questions. Yeah, and it just gives them that option. You know, like momentum isn't just doing one one thing. It isn't just to, oh well, you have this, like you said, linear. It's it's not linear because the the players are getting that and they have the option to spend it right there and then on on the task they're doing. But they also have that option to save it. And even if they are spending it on the task they're doing, there's usually different ways of spending it. So I, I like the fact that there's that choice thing. It, I mean, it, nominally, it does make the game maybe more complicated than some other games. But the payoff is you're getting this extra choice and it's more interesting when you're playing it. It's not a, I hit, right? You hit, well done, roll roll the next thing. I did that. That's it. There's there's always this extra thing um, that, that, you, that you get to do with it, which is, you know, it's, it's I, to me, makes it more fun because there's an extra bit of choice and there's more to do and it's not just really straightforward. Yeah, the last thing I want to want to add about momentum itself is that, you know, to, to clarify to people that there is no, unlike inspiration, which obviously rules is written in 5e, you can only have one, although I don't know anyone who runs or plays 5th edition who obeys that rule, forget it, but there is no such thing as an, an individual momentum pool. You, you, if you generate some on a roll, you use it, you bank it, or you lose it. And the party pool can only go up to six. And in all the games, but, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but all of the games, that die, that party pool, at the end of each scene, and this is, you know, kind of the cinematic view, as the curtain comes down, as a commercial comes on, if this were a TV show, every time a scene changes, the, uh, the party pool loses one point of momentum. And in... All of the games that I'm familiar with, except for Star Trek Adventures, I couldn't find this, at the end of every combat round, that party pool also loses one point. And I think that's supposed to represent the idea, that, that kind of synergy between the, the, the characters as they're getting things done and they're working together and the action is increasing, that they have this opportunity to, to you know, capitalize on one another's work. But then when things calm down, that energy kind of leaves the room. It's what it feels like, at least. Yeah, I was just looking at my table. I think the only one that doesn't use the, the pull idea is John Carter and Mars, which bizarrely they call it the momentum mm -hmm. system. But So that's the only one where it is it is individual momentum. Um, but actually, that is a lot more simplified, and you don't have – there's not as many momentum uses as, as, as most of the other games. So, But that's the only one that doesn't – like you said, all of the other ones have this idea of the, 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 uh, the pull, the group pull depleting over time. So Now – Momentum is what players get and what players use, but the GM has a similar pool, although there are some differences. And in most of these systems, that is called threat. How would you differentiate that from momentum? Yeah, I think realistically threat is 
or the other names. I was going to throw an access one. So threat is normally what it's called. And if you had to pick one, it'd be threat. But I, I do like the fact that in infinity, it's called it's called heat, which matches the idea that you know, there's lots of, like, you know, not necessarily the police coming after you, but that idea of things are getting, things are getting bad, that kind of thing. Doom in Conan. Um, dishonored calls it chaos, which is again, the whole idea of dishonored is you're trying to, you're trying to be stealthy. You're trying to do everything subtly with no one knowing you're there. And if you start sort of causing too much trouble, the chaos is building up in the background. Um, <clears throat> there's also like insetting reasons for that as well, but just as a kind of way the game's a bit different, that's pretty cool. But generally, so yeah, as a first thing, pretty much anything you can do with momentum, the GM can do with threat. Pretty much. So again, you can spend threat for your NPCs to get extra dice. You can spend threat to do uh, extra damage. But the main difference, there's a bunch of extra stuff that threat can do. And I think you kind of you kind of hinted at it earlier. There's, there's, there are people who say, well, I don't like the fact that some of these things, the things like spending, having extra having extra baddies suddenly appear. Uh, you can spend threat for a hazard in a situation. And I think you, you were kind of alluding to that. It might be one of the, you know, that some people don't like this idea that they feel that the GM is losing their, their ability to be a GM because of threat. Yeah, I've heard people say it creates a, uh, a an adversarial relationship, yeah. which I I disagree with, and we can discuss that. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, there's there's two ways of looking at that. On the one hand, there is nothing in the, any of the two D twenty books that says you cannot have extra NPCs or extra baddies appear or extra hazards appear unless you have the threat. Okay, that, that doesn't say that anyway. So you can run, you know, you run one of these games exactly the same as you run any other uh, thing. If you've got an adventure pre-written um, and with things that are going to happen at certain points, this is what's going to happen. What they're kind of trying to do with threat here is as well as like, because you're going to build a stack of it. Okay, If you've got players like I, I have, you have a big stack of threat during the thing. Now you can just use that very similarly to, I'm going to have my bad guy be able to roll extra dice so he's got a better chance of hitting you or I'm going to make him do extra damage when he does hit you. Or, you, know, that, you know, that kind of thing. The same stuff the players are going to do. But the idea of spending it for hazards, I kind of think of it as more as there'll be a scene where, so let's imagine there's a, we're in infinity and there's a gunfight and the gunfight is in a street. And if it's a pre-written one or you've written it yourself, you've thought about it, right, if, some, if a player generates two heat, two heat, that heat might be they've hit a civilian. A bit more than that might be, you know, the, the police turn up. Or, and actually, it's not so much as a, it's not so much as if you have to use the heat to do this. It's an indication to the GM, here's other cool stuff that can happen in this scene. And this is the kind of heat that you're looking for, for this cool thing to happen. Now, in other games, they just wouldn't have the heat spends at all or the threat or anything. They would just have, here's other cool stuff that can happen. But, you know, it's that little thing. It's like a little, it's, I mean, if anything, it's helping the GM. Here's some other cool stuff that can happen. And if you've got this threat, spend it on that. 2-20, like any other system nowadays that I'm familiar with at least, has on the GM side of things, it has direction for how do you put together an encounter that's easier or harder or whatever, you know, based on, on character abilities. Yeah. It's not as, um, because it's not a level-based system, it's not like 5th edition and challenge rating. It doesn't have something like that, but there is guidance for how do you build encounters to have, to, to be likely to create certain kinds of outcomes. But we've all had those moments many of them when the encounter either so this is what i find a lot of times the encounter ends up being easier or maybe a little flatter than you wanted it to be and something comes to mind in the moment that you think like for example you're having a gunfight in the street 
And for whatever reason, you think, oh, it'd be really interesting if a just a random car drove down the street and the the gun the, the people involved in the battle are on are on two sides of the street. Now this car or a city bus drives by, and that introduces this variable. And maybe maybe some maybe one of the party or some of the party are going to decide to run away or they're gonna, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just something different. And I think that having Having a pile of threat, which, by the way, the GM starts off with, in most of the systems, two threat per character yeah. at the beginning of the game. And then you gain threat every single time. The norm is every time someone rolls a complication, that is a 20, the GM can get, is it one or two? I always forget. I think, it's uh, I think, it, I think it might vary between the, the different yeah. sets, to be honest. But the GM gets that. Um, and if there's no momentum... And players want to kind of mortgage their future <laughs> by gaining some advantage in the moment. They can buy threat. In other words, they can spend momentum that doesn't exist, but they they do so by adding threat to the GM's pool. But I like having that and thinking, hey, here's something I want to do. I'm going to throw this in, so I spend threat to do it. Yeah, I think, like I said, one of the things I, I like about this, in a lot of other systems, so you've mentioned it there, that... In this, if you roll a 20, that's bad. Now, loads of other systems have something like that where you get a botch or a critical miss. or And frequently in most systems, the problem I have is that when that happens, I've then got to think on the fly, ooh, what do I have to do? Okay, And sometimes you can't think of something, so you end up just doing nothing. Or they drop their weapon again. So like these you know, these heroes who are like going to save the world drop their weapon like 10 times in an adventure. Um, but second to that, sometimes players never roll that number. So they might never roll the, the, the one in, in, in fifth. They might never, you know, roll a ton of ones in, in shadow run and get a, a glitch or a botch and stuff. Because of the way this is set up, you don't have to rely on, you know, if, if they do roll that 20, then like you said, that gives you heat because that's a complication. And you can take that complication. You can just spend it straight away. They go, right, I've rolled a 20. Right, here, I'm going to generate a point of threat. And you go, no, 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 I've got something cool that's going to happen straight away. Or actually, they just keep rolling like, you know, they're really lucky and they never roll any of these 20s. And you're sitting there, oh, this really cool thing I want to happen. Now, okay, yes, you could just make it happen at any point. But it's just kind of baked in a bit that they're building up this stack of threat. And here's these things you can spend this threat on um, rather than waiting on them. Hopefully, they're going to roll a one. Or if we're in Genesis, hoping they roll a load of the, uh, the, I can't remember the bad things are. In fact, Michael threat like, in that. thing with it's, squirrels and it's, dots. It's or called something. threat. It's called threat again. Whatever um, it is. So, yeah, so, you know, like, it's the same thing. You don't have to wait for the players to have a bad role. You can just go, right, well, actually, you've been building up all this bad stuff. This bad stuff's going to happen to you. Here's the bad stuff. So it's not antagonistic. The players chose to build up, you know, like, I didn't build up that threat. The players chose to build up that threat. They were the ones, like you said, mortgaging their futures. They they chose to build it up. They know it's going to come back at them. Um, and you just kind of get a bit more say about, how and when it comes back on them. I think what's, what's neat about it too is that, again, just like momentum, it can be used mechanically by you know picking off these, these menus, these tables that are in the books, or you can always use threat or momentum to, and it's you know different terms in different games, create a truth yeah. in Octum Cthulhu, or create a trait, or create an advantage or a disadvantage. And, and this is kind of like if you've played any of the fate systems, the, yeah. the idea of of uh, location specific or event specific uh, qualifiers or descriptors that that shape how the scene goes. I mean, I ran into that problem so much. You just said you know the, the idea of okay, I rolled this thing. Well, okay, what do I do with it? 
you know, uh, FFG Star Wars, that was one of the things that that slowed the table down so much was trying to come up with narrative expressions of that actually made sense. And so if you're feeling kind of not dull, if you're just feeling like, well, I don't I can't think of anything, just take the, the, and the player rolls a 20, you just pile up the threat. If you can think of something that works, you use it in the moment. Um, but you can always spend momentum as a player or threat as a GM to create these scene like I, the lights are out, you know, or hey, that that car in that infinity gun battle. Well, maybe the car, maybe the driver sees the gun battle and kind of freaks out and swerves and smashes into a trash can. And now there's a car in the middle of where you're having the fight. You as the GM could just you you spend the points and there it is. And then it affects how the scene plays out. Because those scene-specific traits can affect difficulties of upcoming tasks. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. It, it. It's stuff that adds to you and helps you as a GM. You, you know, you don't. No one should be looking at it as this. Oh, this is the thing that I've got to do. It at the very least, you could just go right. Well, I've got this pile of threat, and I will just save that till the big boss at the end of the whole session, and he will always be rolling lots of extra dice. Um, that would be you know not as interesting, but. It, you know, if you're a starting GM and you weren't sure what to do, well, do it with that. Threat for me as a GM is meaning I've got something a bit more, you know, okay, I've got a load of players to play with and I've got obstacles and hazards and things, but it kind of just focuses you a bit more on, okay, well, actually in this particular scene, if I've got this much threat, here's the thing I could do. Um, and, you know, I actually, I, I probably want some extra baddies to turn up in this particular scene, but I'm going to wait till I've got this much threat before those guys are going to turn in. Um, and because if the players actually, you know, it's like kind of you said it earlier. If the players just actually just keep buying extra dice by giving you tons of threat, they are going to steamroll a bunch of encounters. And so these things, you go right. Well, you've given me all this. I'm, you, these encounters are going to get harder than I planned because I'm just going to have extra guys turn up and, and make it hard for you. And maybe then you'll stop spending all the threat. But like I say it, it even makes sense narrative. Like I said, in, in Dishonored, it literally is the idea of you kind of when you defeat a guy, you can you can knock them out or you can choose to kill them, but you generate chaos. Um, and the chaos is kind of like it's you getting spotted by someone or someone in the street saw you. And so eventually the, the like the police or whoever it is, is going to you know, town guard are going to turn up and they're going to get you um, because you haven't been subtle and stealthy. And you've been trying to just, you know, you've been going around and just killing everyone left, right and center in that game. You're not meant to do that. And so because of that, there is a thing that happens if you don't essentially if you don't sort of play it the way that they're that you're meant to be. Well, you know, Star Trek does that, too, because if you. If you turn your phaser, if you're Starfleet and you turn your <laughs> phaser to kill, not stun, that automatically gives the GM threat because that's not Starfleet is not supposed to do that. Starfleet is supposed to be, you know, happy and, and nice to people and whatnot. If you as the GM want to introduce like you have some Klingons show up and they were part of the encounter, but you want some of them to have batleths instead of just <laughs> mechleth. You want them to have the big bladed thing instead of the little bladed thing. That actually costs the GM threat because you are raising the stakes. And so it's, I've, I've often, as people have said, oh, it creates adversarial, you know, that adversarial relationship between players and, and, um, and the GM. I actually think if you understand it and you use it in the right way, it actually detracts from that because it does create an economy that both players and GMs are have access to and because it's rules answerable to. Yeah, I think the word economy is a really good one because and you've mentioned you mentioned fate already. And so like you said you have to have the the fate points to power your aspects. But a lot of people talk about 
face having this fate point economy where essentially the game does not work unless the players are doing things to generate generate fate and the gm in that is having to do things to give the fate to it and i was found in that game i never managed to get that economy to work it was a lot of the players had to make certain decisions to get the fate and you had to do things to tempt them into taking the fate and it was um i found that awkward it got like very 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 meta whereas in this like naturally the game is generating um, it's generating threat. Okay, yes, the players have to do it as much. E the player doesn't have to decide, oh, right, well, if I play my character in a particular way, to no, they can just go, right, well, I want extra dice, which is an easy thing. I want an extra dice is something very straightforward. Everyone wants extra dice. To do that, they either have to have the momentum or they have to buy the threat, and then the threat comes back to get them. So there is an economy going there, but I don't see it as an adversarial one. I see it as one. It makes the game like cooler. The players get to do really cool stuff and roll lots of dice and everyone likes to roll lots of dice so the players get to do more of what they like doing really cool stuff and like wiping out baddies and being super charming and getting all the information and then the gm gets all this big stack of threat which they get to do they get to do cool stuff everything in the background blows up and everything goes wrong and just when you need it ha, your gun jammed because i'm not you know i'm not being arbitrary in any other gms in any other system i think if the gm turned to the player and said your gun jams why uh well i just feel like it players would kick off in this you go well, your gun jams why well because i've just spent two threat right and then they kind of, ah well fair enough um so i actually i still see it as a tool to making the game more cinematic more cool and more fun not something adversarial you know something else too and this this be my, my last on on momentum something that i've seen in running these games for players who are experienced with the system and players who are not i mean let's face it sometimes you have some players are not they're just not particularly creative or they're not in a particularly creative mood. And so this yeah. system, it's not complicated. Understanding it is not difficult. And if you just want to say, I'm just going to use whatever momentum I generate to do more damage. If that makes you happy, cool. If you as a player want to do all kinds of neat things and be like, oh, I, I, I you know, I, I spend momentum to, you know, I knock the lights out and I lock the door and I knock the person over and I take their weapon and then I club them over the head with it. Like if you want to spend momentum to do all that really creative stuff, perfect. If the next player just wants to pay, say, I just do it faster. That's <laughs> fine too. It all works. Yeah. But what, what about uh, the, the last of these currencies uh, is called fortune. It's called determination. Maybe this is the gold to the momentum silver. I think this is the one, like you mentioned inspiration in fifth edition and in lots of games it's called like hero points, the kind of thing where you have very, very few of them. You know, you have one or two a session kind of thing. That's, that's where this comes in. You know, you get, you get like one, maybe two at the start of a, at the start of a session. And it's very difficult to get more. There's, there's usually ways of getting more of them. But they're usually quite difficult to get more. So you're only spending one or two. Um, like you said, the, the determination and fortune, the main ones, I think it's called luck in one place mm -hmm. and infinity points and in infinity, which just seems really in a <laughs> Cause they don't have mutant chronicle should. points or dune points. Or... No, they do. It was called chronicle points. Oh, of mutant chronicles. oh right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So it wasn't until they got to Conan, they went, actually, that's not, we can't, maybe they, yeah, they obviously went, we can't call them Conan points. That's really rubbish. So yeah. So by Conan, they went, right, no, we're going to stop doing this. Fortune. And so since then, we've got, yeah, fortune and determination has been the sort of the two common ones. And they're basically, they're like, they're like uber momentum. They're just, they're just really, really good versions of the, of the momentum things. But you don't, yeah, you don't get, you don't get a lot. And you also, you save them up for when things are super important. Yeah. They do things like, I know if you spend one, 
you can you can buy an additional die 20 before the roll but you it immediately counts as two successes so it's things like that it can give you an additional action that doesn't have any uh, difficulty penalties whereas if you buy an additional action with momentum it becomes more difficult to do so yeah it is i think uber momentum is a is a good simple way to put it yeah i think most of them i mean, most of them have different uses depending on the system generally there's a, a lot of them have something to do with with like not getting killed so whether they you you take less wounds or you take less stress or acting Cthulhu literally just says you it has an idea of defeat in that so you you're defeated and literally you can spend a, a spend a fortune point where well, you're not um so you can use them both as a do better but you can also use them as everything's gone horribly wrong and a kind of get out of jail free card which again a lot of systems have things similar to this so obviously i mean the downside which you know have to admit that at this point we now have three three different meta currencies now of all the systems we've talked about most of them have they have one i can't think of anything that has more than one and we are sitting here on three different kinds of meta currency but the reality is well, the players use momentum and the GMs use use threat. So really they've only got one each. And they they don't, you know, you 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 don't use both. The players can give the GM threat to have more momentum, but they're only ever dealing with momentum. And the GM's only really dealing with threat. And then yes, there is this extra point thing here. But you know, again, it's not difficult. Like I always use poker chips to go, well, here's your, well, here's your these are the poker chips we're using for momentum, and these are the special poker chips we're going to use for the the fortune and there's only you know you've got two of them and you're not going to get any more or you might um and then here's my stack of threat nice big red stack because red's bad um and so i've never found that it was you know super confusing because the way momentum works momentum is just part of the game it doesn't feel like something that's tacked on in a lot of other games i, I said to you earlier that the, the pathfinder game that i was talking about that i played six sessions of that before i even realized or thought about using my hero point because I didn't really know what, you know, it, it wasn't a main thing. Momentum is just built into, it's part of the DNA of, of this system. So you just use it. So it never feels like it's an extra thing you've got to remember. It's just part of how the game works. Yeah, and I, that, that's, a, that's actually a really good way to describe it to people that it, it, it isn't two separate systems. It's, it's two different approaches to the same general set of, of options because GMs and players interact with the system differently. And then fortune or determination is, I mean, because the menu of options is so much shorter, but again, it's for those, those, uh, those really critical moments, like where I've seen it used best. I, one thing that I think would drive most people crazy in these kinds of games is when everything, like the story is great. You know, the way an encounter, uh, the way that the plot has led to an encounter Things are, everyone's happy at the table. And then you just have a succession of really crappy die rolls and everything collapses. Fortune and, de and determination can deal with that. Yeah, the thing that just suddenly popped into my head would be like, if, 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 if A New Hope, the original Star Wars, was a 2D20 game and you've, you've been doing all the stuff and you, know, you can see the things in there when suddenly Darth Vader pops up with his two mates in the trench run. That's because the GM just spent a ton of threat. But if right at the end there, as Luke's about to take that shot, that, that is Luke spending his, his determination or fortune point. Because if he spends that, he makes that shot. Okay? Without that, he, go, you know, he goes, well, I'm going to roll it. Oh, I've missed. Oh, well, oh, you just, you know, it doesn't work. No, he, he spent his determination. So it doesn't guarantee that you do it. But straight away, like you said, it gives you two successes. It's got to be a real, even with a really high difficulty, 
two freebie successes straight off the bat, plus the other dice, and you know, probably you know, got some extra ones. And he made that shot. And that's that's exactly what it's for. It's for the big important, I do not want this one to fail. And you get to do it, you know, maybe twice in a session. Yeah. And I think that if if you you go through, and I think that this is where we talk about this being a cinematic system, you have the ability to to push the likelihood of success or almost guarantee it depending in those really important moments that just work for the story and make the story great. Not, Oh crumb. I just, I missed. I rolled a one. I rolled a one. I got a rock, you know, I don't know if you have, do you have Charlie Brown over there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now you've said Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Charlie Brown goes around on Halloween and everyone's talking about all the stuff he got. He, his his refrain is, "I got a rock." You know, it just well that sucks. You know, your 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 player, your character trips and falls and dies. You know, in this in a, in an absolutely stupid moment. Uh, yeah, fortune and determination are there to bail you out. I've had a, a good experience introducing people to these systems too. What I've done with new players is I I have a like a, a truncated or summarized table of the combat momentum spends yeah. and then the few out of combat momentum spends. And I just give them that. I just give a new player that's one page um, and it doesn't have all the options. Uh, there aren't that many, but I put the ones that I found people use most often. And then all you need is like one or two people at the table who are more familiar with it and I, I found that, you know, halfway through a session, everybody gets yeah. it and they're using it, you know, fluidly. Yeah. I think the, the only problem I think is like, I mean, I pretty much, I kind of have these two main players and the next people I have to introduce it to them would be my wife and daughter. And I think like they can barely cope with fifth edition. So then I'm not going to try to. I have faith. Spending points just yet. I, I keep thinking, about, we'll do Star Trek. Cause I think the Star Trek, I think, I think is, it works really well. Um, but the only problem we ever have is the slight changes between each version of 2d20 and so that's actually that's coming from a different point of view that isn't we're struggling because it's a new system we're struggling because it works slightly differently between certain systems and it's the check-in like is this one the same as that one or is it or is it different from that one um which is which is kind of annoying sometimes but yeah it's hard actually when, when things are almost complete overlap recognizing the margins is a lot harder than when they're completely different from yeah. one another. I've run Star Trek Adventures, Conan, and Octoon Cthulhu the most out of these. I did Mutant Chronicles, like two sessions, um, and Infinity I've, I've only read. And then I've played these other ones, but um, I'm sure that we've made mistakes. <laughs> but the Modifius police didn't show up and like wrap us on the knuckles. And I didn't feel like, you know, the, the game didn't suffer for it. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that when I moved from sort of infinity was the one I played the most and I played a bit of Conan to then playing like star Trek that we still kept spending like one momentum was an extra dice when it ramps up to the two and three for the, the second and third dice. Um, you know, like we know that now, but I definitely didn't. I'm, I'm pretty sure when I first played star Trek, we almost certainly got that wrong. Um, might explain yeah. why our Star Trek crew were like so kick-ass and just yeah, doing everything so easily. Um, yeah, it might be harder next time. Although if we play Star Trek next, there'll be Klingons. So, like I said, I think I said last time. Yeah, that that rule book um, they do a really nice job in explaining the, the especially starship combat, which I had all kinds of headaches with uh, in the core book. 
but uh, but the Klingon book I think does a much better job of explaining that system. Well, the, to to the people listening, whoever is out there listening to this, I think about. It. I mean, lots of I'd say your modern or contemporary whatever gaming systems that the there's more room for a meta currency or ways for especially players to shape likelihood you know, the, the probability of success. And then that's the most common one I found, like say inspiration, just the likelihood of success. But there's there's more than, you know, decades ago, an ability for players to shape the outcome. And I think out of all the systems, like I said, I played Star Wars FFG, uh, played a lot of these different systems that offer these things. Momentum and threat, I believe, I firmly believe does the best job of offering options that are both mechanical and narrative and and does so in a way that is actually not complicated and is therefore comprehensible and usable at the table. Whenever I see someone saying, oh, 2D20, say, oh, it's got all those meta currencies. Oh, it's got three of them. That's ridiculous. It's too complicated. And I always think straight away, well, I've played games with have meta currencies where it's super important, like fate, but then it didn't work for me. Or where it's it's a bit tagged on, like, so Benny's in Savage Worlds. You need them. They're super important. But at the same time, people might just, you can forget them and be okay. And then actually they're so important for stopping you dying. Just everyone just saves them for stopping you from dying. So, and then they end up serving one very small purpose. Um, and I never found that in, in this. Yes, you are, you know, you've got these, once people got the idea of what these different things are doing, it just, it just works on the table. It just works. And I've never really had a problem where in, in any other game where they've got anything like this, it just works in this system. I've, I've never had a problem of sort of getting it to work. Other than like you said last week, when you first read the, like the beta rules and they, they were beta rules, they were, you know, however, they were just like, you just, they didn't, they were not well-written, but you know, now if you read Acton Cthulhu, they make sense. The game flows. It's super, you know, it's just, it, it works. It's great. Well, great. I hope that, uh, I hope that people are able to a understand these systems better now and B set aside maybe some negative, uh, views or set aside some uh what's the word i'm looking for i need a synonym misconceptions there we go i hope this helps people set aside misconceptions about what the system isn't because that's what i have run into a lot so next time we will talk about some other aspect of the these two die 20 systems and make some comparisons between the different games and to other popular games out there, meaning we'll talk about 5th edition a bunch. <laughs> might even try and be nice about it. And we might be nice. Hey, you know what? Like I said, I got drawn into a 5th edition game, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm taking it for what it is. Um, when, actually, what's funny, and I won't go into detail about it, but the, um, the, the, the inspiration system is totally house-ruled, and so it looks quite different from how it's written in the book. Um, so I think it's a little more functional, but, you know, having a good time anyway. Which is the main thing. That's absolutely right. It was good talking with you, Chris. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.